Hello and welcome to Bible 101. I'm here today with a couple of special guests. It's been a while since we've gotten together. Brother Greg Ross, Brother Eric Feeman. How are you guys doing? Doing all right, brother. We're going to have a series of discussions. I guess we can't call it roundtable because, uh, what did you say, square table? <laughs> square table discussion. Because it's not. Yeah, we can't find a roundtable. And uh, hopefully this will pick up everybody's voices okay. But uh, we're going to actually be talking about um, a discussion of salvation, a study of salvation. And this will probably have multiple parts. I don't know. We haven't discussed how many parts. It just kind of depends on how much we talk, I guess. And we love to talk, I guess. But uh, anyways, we're, we're going to be talking about what is salvation, why is it needed. Um, but before we actually get into that, let me just kind of open up with a few comments, things that came to my mind today while I was thinking and praying about this, is we're in a battle today for the concept of absolute truth. And um, on a lot of college campuses and places throughout the world, radio talk shows, they're arguing against such a thing as absolute truth. And what they're saying is basically, well, my view is truth to me. You have a view that's truth to you. And I remember a discussion one time of um, there was a student in a college classroom and she was asking the professor, he made a comment about absolute truth. And he said, two plus two is four. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care where in the world you are. It's, it's absolute truth. And she said, well, um, she says, I don't believe in absolute truth. She says, from my perspective, um, I'm viewing you from this corner of the room. You're viewing me from a different corner of the room. So my truth is not your truth. He said, but it doesn't matter what perspective you view it from. He said, whether or not you know, you're sitting in that chair or I'm standing here, it's still true that I'm standing in this certain section of the room regardless. And he says, you're still sitting in that certain section of the room regardless of your perception of it. And so uh, let me just say this, that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And uh, before we even get into this, we want to go ahead and just tell you that the Bible ought to be the sole authority uh, for truth. What is truth? Pilate asked a very good question of Jesus when he stood on trial before him. He said, Jesus said, um, talking about truth, and, and Pilate said, what is truth? I want to answer that question. The Word of God is truth. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. And so uh, the Word of God claims to be absolute truth. And let me just ask you this question. Is it or isn't it? Now, so many people throughout the world, they don't want to accept the Word of God as absolute truth. They want to say, well, this part applies to us, this part doesn't, and um, you know, this part is true and this part isn't, and this part belongs there and this part doesn't. But the Bible claims to be absolute truth. So let me put it this way. If it isn't, then what is it? It's a book of fairy tales. I mean, you can't say it's good at all, right? Just throw it away if it's not absolute truth. And so it claims to be absolute truth. Let me give you another example. Let's go to the, the book of 2 Peter, uh, chapter number 1. And I want to go to verse number 20 and 21. Actually, let's back up to verse number 19. I like this one too. I like it all. But we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well if ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So it tells us here very clearly that the Word of God is not just somebody's idea or somebody's opinion. 
there's a lot of books out there today. I mean, you go into Barnes and Noble, or you you can look on the internet, Kindle or whatever, and you'll see books galore with people's opinions. They're all over the place. But the Bible is not just somebody's opinion. It actually claims to be the Word of God. I read this commentary today. I thought this was kind of interesting. It says, The prophetic scriptures affirm the apostolic witness. In essence, Peter was saying, If you don't believe me, go to the scriptures. The metaphor means that the prophetic scriptures act as a torch that shines in this dark world, exposing the dirt and defilement of sin and making it possible to get rid of it. So I like what that said there. And the second thing I want to say is Jesus claimed to be truth personified. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the word of God claims to be truth. Jesus claimed to speak truth. So I think we do well to take heed and pay attention to what the scriptures have to say. So we're going to go ahead and just establish that right from the get-go. And uh, I'm going to shut up and get out of the way and let Brother Ross talk for here for just for a few minutes. But number one, the Bible is the sole authority. And so I also want, Brother Ross, would you just talk about salvation, what it means to you, what you thought about when we talked about this discussion? <clears throat> yes, Brother Mills, it's good to be back together again. It's hard to believe it's been several months but it is good to be here and when we begin to think about and pray about uh, this having this discussion on the subject of salvation and um, what is what is truth um, I'll just say up front and actually it's I was going to talk about it a little bit later but what I'm thinking about I, whoever whoever ends up listening to this there's absolutely nothing more important than than salvation so, so what is salvation? Under the banner of salvation, oftentimes you'll, you'll hear words or read words. Uh, uh, oftentimes deliverance is, another part, is a part of salvation. Redemption, uh, forgiveness, reconciliation, regeneration, born again, restored. All those are, are, uh, are sub subjects that fall under the banner of salvation that have to do with what salvation is. In a, in a nutshell, um, so to speak, salvation would be deliverance uh, from the power and the penalty uh, and the effects of sin. So, so what is sin? The Bible says in 1 John 3 and 4 that the, the transgression of the law is sin. And so anything that's against the Word of God, and the Word of God we have established as absolute truth, anything that's against the Word of God, the plan of God, uh, God's morality, God's God's holiness is sin. And so where did sin come from? Well, it started with Lucifer, uh, who became Satan. And uh, it started with rebellion and pride, and he was cast out of heaven and down to the earth. And uh, it was rebellion against God. It was a rebellion against God's authority and his, his ways and his system. <clears throat> so, and not, and not only, salvation is not only being um, delivered uh, but it's also been restored to fellowship to God um, salvation has to do with being saved from from sin but it also has to do with uh, restoring that that relationship with God because sin separates us from God and there's there's that's one of the most uh, terrible things about sin and sin in a person's life they are separated from that fellowship and that communion with God and salvation restores that. Can I just say something yes, there real quick? Yeah. I was thinking about this today, and um, I didn't jot this down or anything, but 
something that's so interesting to me, you're talking about how sin separates us from God. And you look at Adam and Eve, they sin in the garden, and God has to kick them out of the garden. And some people may not understand, well, why did God have to drive them out just because of sin? Okay, But if I can describe it this way, and obviously you can't describe God, it's impossible. But um, it's almost like, let's say your wife, Brother Eric, or my wife or, or his wife has cleaned the house. Every speck, every corner, every crevice of the house is completely clean. And we've been out working in the yard. And we have mud all over our shoes and everything else and mud all over our clothes. And we just stomp through that clean house and we sit on that nice clean couch. Well, first of all, we're going to wind up in the doghouse. But uh, second of all, that clean house is no longer clean. Think about that. One person messed up the condition of that house. She had spent all day cleaning it. But us just walking in, we messed up the house. And it's kind of, if I could put it this way, God is so holy and so perfect and so just that he cannot dwell with uncleanness. He has to drive it out of his presence. So somebody might not understand, well, yeah, I understand I'm not perfect. You know, I've made mistakes. Well, one sin separates you from God. Exactly. Right. And um, exactly right. That's the... um, Going against Satan, rebellion, rebelling against God, had him cast out. Yes, Adam yes. and Eve, and we and when you so what's sin? Well, we have to go back to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve sinned in the in in that they went against God's will, His purpose. Mm-hmm. They rebelled against that. They had to be cast out and separated from God's fellowship. And and then based on what you just said, Romans chapter five and verse twelve says. Wherefore, as by one man, who is that one man? Adam, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. Sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, all of us. The Bible says, for that all have sinned. Similar to what he said in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That, that phrase there, have sinned, uh, in, in the Greek means missed the mark. You missed it. And if you miss salvation, you've missed everything. You've, you've missed everything. You can, you can have the, the greatest things going for you in life, but if you've missed salvation, you've missed it all. Mm-hmm. And so uh, salvation is more than just, uh, uh, that was, I think we were discussing that before we went, went started recording the broadcast brother Eric but salvation is more than a momentary event mm-hmm. it's not just the one thing okay I've obeyed God's plan which we'll talk about here momentarily I've obeyed God's plan I'm done no that's the beginning <clears throat> and I like the way I wrote, I wrote it down because I like the way one man put it um, salvation is more than a momentary event it's we can say that we were saved when we made the plan of salvation we are being saved as we walk in the Holy Ghost that God has given us and follow His Word, and we will be saved at the very end. He, he that endureth till the end shall be saved. So we were saved when we made the plan of salvation. We're still being saved as we walk with God, and we will be saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, salvation has to do with, with a conversion. It has to do with uh, uh, an adoption. It has to do with being uh, glorification. So all these things go into what, you know, what salvation is. And there's a lot of things uh, floating around out there that, you know, I, I've been places, and I know probably everybody listening to this and everybody sitting at this rectangle t- 
table here <clears throat> has been places where we picked up little pieces of paper that says, would you like to be saved? Uh, you need salvation. And you, and you read the little tracks, you lead, read the little pamphlets, and, and they have things to say in there. And, uh, and I read those sometimes, and, it's, and in all honesty, it's so sad compared to what the Word of God has to say about uh, salvation. And if you miss it, friends, you've missed everything. Knowing the Bible plan of salvation is absolutely imperative. It's the most crucial, crucial thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of important things in life. Your education, your career, uh, finding a, a mate and having a family and et cetera, et cetera. A lot of important things in life. Um, but if you can have you can have a great education, you can have a great career, you can make a lot of money, you can live in a nice house, drive a fine car, you can have a great family, you can have a, a family that's full of love and, and and a lot of wonderful things in your life because tip, you know really you're obeying God some of God's principles and God blesses you for that. It doesn't mean you're saved. Um, people, I, I know people that are very educated and um, very learned men that can can. Um, Teach things out of the Bible. They, I, I read about just a few months ago a man that, that I forget how many books of the Bible he absolutely has memorized. He can quote them. And some of the larger books, he can quote many, many chapters out of them. He's, he's amazing that he took the time to memorize so much. But the man has not obeyed the Bible plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. And how, how, sad, how sad it <clears throat> is. Uh, uh, there, there are men that are educated and learned that can... Uh, you know, out, out of all the, the subject of the Bible that can be talked about, a lot of people like to talk about prophecy and when the Lord's coming back and the signs of the times and, and miracles that are in the Bible and miracles that God's still doing today. And we could talk about the, the subject of worship and, and so many subjects we could talk about in the Bible. But if you, don't, if, if, if you know all those things and miss salvation, it, it means nothing. Right. It, means, right. it means nothing. It, sadder still to to be well-versed in the Bible and miss the plan of salvation, right. sadder still. Mm -hmm. The most important, salvation. Salvation, salvation, salvation. And it, and it boils down to the gospel. And just a few more, few more things here, I'll pass it off to Brother Eric. <clears throat> the gospel, the gospel. What is the gospel? First Corinthians chapter 15 has a good uh, layout of what the gospel is. When Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God made a promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he was someday going to send a Messiah. He was going to send a Savior. If you need salvation, you need somebody that can be a Savior. And all through the Old Testament, the prophecies that will begin to be given about the Savior and how he would come was finally fulfilled when God manifest himself, came to earth in, in the form of flesh, and, and became a man, he lived on this earth, Jesus Christ. He ministered. He did miracles. He preached. And they crucified him. He died on the cross. He was buried. But hallelujah, he, he resurrected from the dead. And uh, that, my friend, is the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, <clears throat> I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are what? Saved. saved. 
If, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Well, that's something right there, though. Let, let me just yes, say that. Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. It's, it's what he said there. He said, by which also you are saved, if. If. Now he's talking to the church. Mm-hmm. If ye keep in memory mm-hmm. what I have preached unto you, unless yeah. you have believed in, in vain. vain. Yes. Well, that goes against unconditional it, eternal it, it security, sure, doesn't it? It sure it does. does. Keep going. Though. Yes, and verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. What did he receive? How that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. You want to know what the gospel is? It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 1, he says, I declare unto you the gospel. What's the gospel? How that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Well, that's the gospel. You hear a lot about the gospel a lot of times. Um, there's not two gospels. There's not three gospels. There's not four truths, Brother brother Mills. Mm-hmm. There's one absolute truth to the plan yes. of salvation. All through the Bible, it's singular. It's singular. There's uh, Jesus said in, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Um, you don't, you don't, you know, some people like to say, well, you do it your way and I'll do it mine and we'll all go to heaven together. Well, and, and this, this is here, this is where a lot of people, when we talk about the plan of salvation, we're, and we're going to get to the plan of salvation in a minute, in Acts 2.38, um, People, people, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than somebody, me or any of us sitting here or anybody, thinking they're saved, and they're not. Yes. That's a, that's a terrible position to be in. Yes. And it makes all, should make all of us want to pause and say, wait a minute. Am I, have I followed God's word? Have I followed the plan of salvation? Am I still having a walk with God? The, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a powerful thing. The blood he shed on the cross of Calvary. Mm-hmm. And when people see that story and they read it and they hear it and the, and the power of it uh, is realized in their life. And, they, and people will even, will even say, I believe that happened. I believe that Jesus did that for me. That doesn't save you. Just believe in that. Knowing that he did it doesn't save you. People can actually ask God to forgive them of their sin, which that's a part of the part of the plan of salvation. And when you do that, pe- people oftentimes say, I know when I got saved because I asked God to come into my heart and I told him I was sorry for my sins. You will feel something when you do that. Mm-hmm. That's not salvation. And I, I don't, you know, upset in somebody's fruit basket, I guess, but... Uh, but that's how important this is. There's nothing more important, nothing more scary to me than to, to somebody. I'm saved. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you know you're saved? Let's get back to the book. Well, I know I'm saved because I, I asked. I you know I talked to God and I saw a light shine through the window. I've actually heard people say stuff like oh, that. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a it was a good feeling. It was an emotional time. And uh, Hey, wait, what's the Bible say? What is the absolute truth of the plan of salvation? It's not, it's not you go your way and I'll go mine. It's not your truth and my truth. It's 
it's all it's Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8 there's there's no other gospel if anybody preaches any other gospel let him be cursed yes there's only one gospel there's well, only they, one truth well, thing yeah too, sure so, yeah. What, uh, they may say too I, I've heard them say I know in my heart the yeah, Bible know, says that heart. the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it yeah. so you don't know by just how you feel in your heart you gotta you gotta apply the truth to it. See, you tagged something right there too, because the Mormons teach that uh, the way you know you're saved, there's a burning in the bosom. Interesting. That you know you just you just know it. And uh, I've heard other groups. I think correct me if I'm wrong, but Jehovah's Witnesses kind of teach something a little bit like that, as far as how do you know you're part of the hundred forty-four thousand? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we're not gonna get off into all that. But. Uh, it's not about a feeling. I mean, what are you going to be right. judged by? I was just looking that scripture up. The Revelation 20 and 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God in the books. And it says that's a definite article. Mm -hmm. So nobody would question what the books would be. The books. It's the word, of God. <laughs> the word of God. And he says, And the book of life. So basically, your life is going to be compared to the Bible. If you didn't obey the plan of salvation, you're lost. Right. It's not about how you feel or what you saw. Because, exactly right. you know, um, let me just put it this way. Like, feelings are subjective. Yes. I mean, I feel one way. Brother Ross, you feel a different way. Brother Eric may feel something different. Mm -hmm. um, we may go into a restaurant and, you know, we walk in the door and I don't like the way I feel in the place. <laughs> Brother Ross may like the way he feels in the place. Brother Eric, you may. And basically how we came across that uh, that idea, that we, how we feel about it, is the aroma, the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, you may walk in, Brother Ross, and it might remind you of your childhood and bring back good, positive memories. I might walk in, it might remind me of a bad experience I've had before. Mm -hmm. might remind me of a restaurant I ate at that I didn't like. You see what I'm saying? So feelings are, are subjective. Exactly right. And, that's, and you can't go by... I had I had a particular experience. I felt something. Therefore, I'm saved. You can't go by that. You have to go back to the Word of God. Wait a minute. What does the Bible say? And uh, there and there. Um, so so where does it where does salvation comes from? It comes through faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. It, and then those that. There are those that say you just have to simply believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that you are saved. And um, that is a part of it. But he says if you come to God, you must believe, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now that, I, now that I believe there's a God, now that I believe the word of God is true, that the word of God is, is right, now I've got to diligently find out what's God's plan. What is God's plan? Seek Him. Uh, yes, I got to diligently seek Him. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. See, that's the part a lot of people leave out of that verse. And His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But you got to seek Him first. So, also uh, the, another term we use a lot. I'll finish up. Uh, born again, born again. Uh, we'll read. You can read about that. Maybe Brother Eric will get into that um, in John chapter three. Uh, you can read there. There is an absolute plan that you've got to do. You could liken it to someone that would have a terminal illness, that uh, that they're going to die with this illness, but there's a there's a cure, there's a medication, but the medication has to be taken properly. Number one it has to be taken, but it has to be taken in a in a in a proper way, and uh, 
and someone can, can know that they have this terminal illness, they can know that there's a cure for it. Oh, I know, I believe there's a cure for this. I know what the cure is. But if you never appropriate it, you're still gonna die with that terminal illness. And so you can get to the point in your life where I, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm separated from God. And if you're lost, you're going to hell. And, um, and so I, I need a Savior. I need to know who the Savior is. And you could say, oh, well, there's a plan of salvation right there. Oh, I know it now. I believe it. I believe Jesus died on the cross. Uh, I believe he's got a plan. And, uh, but if you never appropriate it, if you never believe it, we talked about the gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do you appropriate that? Faith and obedience to the Word of God. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Um, uh, you said it a minute ago. G Jesus said... Um, uh, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Uh, what, what, is, what is the death? We die out to self and to sin. What is the burial? We are buried with him in baptism. What is the resurrection? We are filled with the Holy Ghost and rise to walk in the newness of life. Uh, first, I'll finish up with this. First Peter. First let, me, Peter. let me just say yeah. one thing while you're turning there. Sure. Yeah. Because I remember the story you were talking about. I love the illustration you made about the... Uh, the doctor prescribes you medication. You got to take that medication. I remember a story about brother Eric. You might remember this. There's a preacher that's preaching. He made this illustration. He said he went to the doctor and he said, "I'm having this problem. I don't remember what the problem was." And the doctor prescribed him medication. He said, "Take this medication." So he said, uh, "Made him better." So he said, uh, "But then he got sick again." And he came back to the doctor and he said, "What's up, doc? I, I did everything you said to do, and I felt better for a while, but then I stopped feeling better." And the doctor said, are you still taking the medication? He said, well, no, I felt better, so I stopped taking it. Mm -hmm. He said, well, that's your problem. You're mm -hmm. still supposed to keep taking the medication. That's where a lot of people get. They get to a certain place in God, time. like repentance. Mm -hmm. They'll obey repentance, and they feel better. <clears throat> so they stop, stop there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, I feel saved, you know? Yeah. I taught a lesson one time many years ago. I said, it was, don't stop now. The best is yet to come. Yeah, that's good. Uh, people... John 3.16, John 3.16, beautiful scripture, but it's all in the context of the That's entire right. conversation to, uh, yes. in, in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. And uh, But a lot of people want to read John 3.16 and stop there. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. A lot of good stuff there's in John 3. There's some more coming. There's some more coming. Yeah, some before it, too. Before, <laughs> before it could lead up to it. Yeah, yeah. before. And then after John 3.16, yeah. Acts 2.30. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, old things are become new. You must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. And Peter picked up on it, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. forever. Praise God. Amen. I need to be saved. If you're listening, you need to be saved. And, you know, if you're listening, I'll finish that, I'm sorry. I know people can hear, hear things like this and, and say, well, I know I'm saved. Would you, just, would you just pause a minute in your life and, and look up some of these scriptures and consider, and consider what, what does the, the Bible have to say about salvation? In Jesus' name. Brother Eric. Yeah, a lot of things you just said there, uh, Brother Ross, leads up perfectly actually to a lot of things that I was going to talk about here. Um, one thing you did bring up, uh, you talked about Matthew chapter uh, 1, uh, Jesus, they talk about Jesus coming, and the Bible says he shall save his people. Uh, one thing to to point out there is it says from their sins, not in their sins. Yes. 
um, he's not coming to save people while they're still in their sins, but he separates them from the sin that the sin problem that they had before. And the problem with a lot of people in the world today is they're taught to just, you know, if you believe in God, no matter your sin problem, no matter what you believe, it don't matter what you do, you know, you're saved, you're ready to go to heaven. And they know, like I said, we talked before, you know, they know in their heart. They, The Bible also talks about something we could have brought up there earlier, that there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, yes. but the end thereof are the ways of yes, death. Yes. And, and so it doesn't matter what you, how you perceive it or how you look at it. You seem, uh, it seems to fit. It's what does the Bible say. Right. And it all boils down to, um, and I made this correlation here, uh, thinking about this stuff today, about how... Um, it really, we, we talk about how the most important thing to find in the Bible is salvation. That's absolutely the truth. Um, we have a, a Bible study little course that I've taught several times, especially like at college and some young people stuff. Matthew chapter 7, the Bible talking about seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. And we talked about how in the original it was written in a linear meaning seek and keep on seeking. Right. And so that would be the, the truth in the same thing in the Bible. You seek something out of the Word of God, and when you find it, you just keep on seeking until you find something else. Yes. Uh, you, you know, you find yes. repentance, and then you seek and you find baptism, and then you seek and you find Holy Ghost, and it all leads to this thing we call salvation. But um, the really the, the integral part of lo- salvation, though, in learning to live for God is conquering this thing called submission and, and obedience. And I begin to think of, um, we talk about salvation and how it's all the way through the Bible. It starts in the Old Testament, leads all the way into the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we talk about, you know, we, we know that there's a lot of type typologies in the in the tabernacle and the, the altar and all, all of that, you know, leading up to the, the sacrifice was made to roll back the sins and, and save you, you know, for a whole entire year and that, that kind of thing. But we, we talk about other typologies about you can go to uh, Noah and how that the ark represents salvation. It saved him and his household. But the thing here that I point out is the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. It didn't say that Ham, Shem, and Japheth and their, their wives and that Mrs. Noah found grace in the eyes of God, but Noah mm-hmm. found grace in the eyes of God. And I began, I think about it as he began to, if he was b- building that boat, Ham, Shem, and Japheth didn't have to get on. But the salvation was linked to the fact that they believed what their their leader was teaching was was preaching to them hey god's going to destroy the earth you need to get on the ark and so a lot of times you get people who say well you know i'm saved but no man's going to tell me what to do mm-hmm. i'm saved but um you know no one I, I don't have to obey a set scriptures i you know um, i've even heard people say that you know like what we talked about before brother mill started it off with there is no absolute truth nothing really matters what you know what you believe is all roads lead to heaven but uh I begin to think about how that that correlates with every time, almost every instance when there was any kind of typology of salvation, it always involves obedience, and normally there's a man of God. I'm thinking about um, the in Exodus when uh, the children of Israel were being brought out of Egypt. Uh, Moses steps forward and says, let my people go. And it had to be a man of God set forth and, and set the, the standard for someone to follow and, and lead them out of their captivity which we understand is you know a type of sin a type of uh that's what salvation does it brings us out of a situation uh out of bondage it, it sets us free delivers us um and then we can read in john eight thirty two. this is where i was going to get to here um the bible says that ye shall know the truth that brother mills talked about earlier 
and the truth shall make you free. And now I've heard it be quoted a lot of times, it sets you free, and, I, and not to be technical here, but the, but the term set you free would be just, you know, say, Brother Ross, you're, you're locked up, and I'm just going to go open the door, and immediately you're free. But the, the terminology to use the word make you free is that it, it doesn't mean automatically, you know, you've got one little nugget of truth, so therefore you're set free and you're, you're free forever. You, you're, but you're made free by learning truth and applying it to your life. Taking one little nugget of truth and adding, building to, building on it, and then when you do, next thing you know, hey, I'm free. I, I'm free from the problems of sin I used to be. I'm free from the burdens that I used to have. You know, God is because it's a process, and in salvation is a process of leading us to salvation, like you talked about, being saved, and then we are saved, and we're being saved, and we'll be saved in the end. And I agree with that. But then I was thinking too about how the Bible says that. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And then how do you believe that he is? Uh, then Romans chapter 10 and 17 says, uh, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. So you apply preaching. You apply the word of God. And when you apply all of that, it leads you to believing that he is and that he's rewarded. And then you diligently seek him. By diligently seek him, you lead up to salvation. Um, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 talks about you're saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So these are things that's not, a lot of people, even, and even apostolics, uh, uh, you know, quote unquote, whatever, regardless of what they believe, they'll say, well, you know, you spoke in tongues, received the Holy Ghost, therefore you got the Holy Ghost forever and you're good. You know, you don't, but you know, there's some people leave speaking in tongues one time, you, you, you received the Holy Ghost, therefore you're saved. But the Bible talks about how you were saved by the washing, I-N-G, continual, mm -hmm. a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Apostle Paul said, and you talked about this, you covered it a minute ago when you were talking about how um, you, the death, burial, and resurrection, and after you die, there's a resurrection. You walk in news life. Apostle Paul said, I die daily. So he, did, he, he, he repeated the process because when you die, there has to be a resurrection. Right. And he also said, I speak in tongues more than y'all, meaning, hey, I speak in tongues every day because I die and I have to resurrect yeah. every day. So in doing that, there's a process. Apostle Paul, uh, leading up to when he makes the, the final bid there, he says, I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is him. It all leads up to that point. He's being, now he's going to be saved, but all of that goes back to he was in the process of being saved. He, he had to um, keep under his body and bring it under subjection. And so there's a lot of uh, stuff there that a lot of people don't want to hear about, you know, talk about like bringing it under subjection, having to submit, having to obey. Um, and every instance when the Holy Ghost come down or, or when, uh, you know, salvation was brought, it was because somebody obeyed a command or somebody submitted to a man of God. Cornelius was an upright man, just man, uh, feared God. But yet um, God said, I'm sending you a man of God to tell you what you got to do. Because what you're doing on your own is not going to save you. You got to, somebody's got to tell you what to do. And we often, a lot of times, I actually taught this at the prison, Brother Mills, um, a lot of times we, we hear people talk about Paul and they talk about his conversion on the road to Damascus. But Paul's conversion actually happened after Damascus when mm -hmm. Damascus got told him, go to the man of God and he's going to tell you what to do. Right. And then when you get, when you're told what to do, then you obey the plan of salvation. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is I'm not saying that the plan of salvation and repentance and baptism, Jesus name, filling the Holy Ghost is not important. And obviously it is important. It is the, the, the only way to get salvation. According to the Bible, there's only one plan of salvation. But all of this is obedience to what the scripture says, brought about by what the man of God uh, mm -hmm. preaches and teaches. So there's importance to the man of God in your life. And um, there's
there's an importance to you know coming to church. I, I referenced this in the, to the uh, college students the other day. We was te teaching the Bible study down there, and um, I asked them, I said, "How many of you can survive eating um, just three times a, a, a week? If you just ate three meals a week, uh, how long would it take for you to become frail and weak, and you know have health problems, health issues, whatever? Just eat three times a week." And they're like, well, you know, you couldn't do that very long and, and be real healthy, whatever. I said, well, then how do you think you can do that in your spiritual life? You come on Tuesdays, and the man of God preaches, you eat. You come on Sunday morning, Sunday night. But what about the rest of the week? Mm -hmm. You get in the Bible, and you seek. That's right. And you keep on seeking. You, you find, you, you, you keep on looking for something to help this soul be, be saved. Can I so say something right yeah, there, brother? I'm sorry, I no, didn't no, mean no, to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, while you're talking about that, I just have to think about something I heard a man say years ago, and this just came back to mind, is he said, why is the book of Leviticus in the Bible? He said, because it was written to priests. Why is it in there? And he said, the reason why God put that book in there is so all the people could know that their priests knew what he was doing. He said, and if you want a biblical example of that, he said, look at Hophni and Phinehas. They're offering sacrifice. And the people said, wait, you're not doing that right. You're supposed to do it this way. He said, God put that book in there so everybody would have access to it to say, my preacher knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. and, he, and the same thing while you're talking about that, I was just thinking about 2 Timothy 4 and 1. It's not like a preacher is just preaching his own philosophy or his own ideas. He said, preach the word. That's what he told Timothy to do. When you preach, you preach the word, which means... Halagos, the mind of God, preach the mind of God. Because it's, it's not like a, we just have a man. I mean, we're not advocating just for somebody, you know, no, just right. go pick out a preacher. That's what so many people want to do these days. Just go mm -hmm. pick out a preacher. He better be preaching the Word right. of God, right? Yeah. Right. And, Keep going. And what, and what you, something you referenced at the very beginning when you read uh, from Second uh, Timothy, um, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's what the man of God uses to be per, to to, to yes. guide us through. So you know, there's right to touch on what you just said there about you know it does matter what the man of God preaches, obviously, but that there is a lot there is a lot of power in that. And um, there's one of the things that I got to thinking about this was um, when thinking about salvation and and how like where would we be if somebody hadn't told us right. originally? You know, um, right. Imagine um, what you know would have happened if. Um, you know, in, in thinking about the Ethiopian eunuch, if he'd have been just left to look at scriptures he didn't understand. Wonder if he had ever been baptized in Jesus' name and, and found salvation. But thank God along the way, a man of God came along and said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Yes. And, you know, because there has to be some understanding that's brought about. And how do you do that? By somebody who, because the Bible says there's, um, that the spirit of truth will lead and guide you into all truth. And so here comes Philip who has the Holy Ghost. Here's because Philip has some understanding of the Bible and says, Hey, I'm going to show you what the scripture says. That's what we're doing here today. When we do, when we do this podcast here and brother Mills asks us to come along, brother Mills don't need me here. He does perfectly fine, but it's, it's just to hear another voice to come along and say, Hey, confirm hey, yeah. confirm that, Hey, the word of God is true. That truth said you can make you free. And we're going to build on that. We're going to add it to our life and, and not just, take the words of a preacher, but hey, how about how many times have, have you that's listening out there have heard a preacher preach and you say, hey, I'm going to go find that in the Bible and see if it's true. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've heard people talk about all the time, they quote John 3.16 and often misquote it. 
and, and they true, say yeah. should be uh, uh, shall be saved and should be saved is a big difference in that. And out of context. Yeah, and out of context, exactly. <laughs> so you know, context meaning everything when it comes to scripture. So, but anyway, that's that's my my what I wanted to you know mainly bring up there and talk about. Um, you know, the just a list of people who. Um, we're linked to a man that, for salvation. Um, obviously, we talked about Noah, his family being linked to Noah, uh, the children of Israel to Moses, um, Esther to Mordecai. Um, spiritual authority. Right. Yeah, absolutely, spiritual authority. Uh, David. Wonder why if we'd have the the awesome prayer that David prayed about, uh, you know, created me a clean heart, O oh God. I wonder if that would have ever happened if Nathan hadn't rebuked him. Um, you know, the day of Pentecost, when Peter, would there have been three thousand souls be added if Peter hadn't got up and talked? told the men and brethren what they needed to do when they asked the question. Um, Paul on the road to Damascus, if he wouldn't have went and found Ananias, if he'd have been just, you know, blind the rest of his life, would he have not ever seen the truth? Uh, Cornelius, would he have died a good man and went to hell because Paul, if Peter wasn't there? Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, would he have died confused because, you know, so all these things, there's just things that came to mind yes. you know, to begin to think about how these things lead up to salvation. It's not just a matter of, uh, well, you know, I obeyed one scripture, or I found a scripture right, here, and it right. seemed to fit my fancy. So, right, yeah. so therefore, but anyway, that's that was my my thought of it when we talked about this subject of salvation. So. Brother Eric, <clears throat> yes, you, sir. You and Brother Mills were, were blessed to, for the most part, to be born in, in families and go to churches from your earliest yeah, memories. That, absolutely, that preached the Bible plan of salvation. That's yes. what you learned that early on. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't <clears throat> and to pick up what I said a minute ago based on what you just said there was a time in my life based on what someone told me that I thought I was saved mm -hmm. and I look back on that now and that, that's, that's scary there was a time in my life someone said if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior you'll be saved and you'll be saved forever I'm like okay I'll do that I accept mm -hmm. that and I, I continued to do drugs. I continued to do alcohol. I, I continued to, to be immoral. And, and I look back on that now, and <clears throat> I realize that someone didn't tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. so, someone said, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you'll be saved, and you'll be saved forever. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I believe that. And I continued to live an ungodly lifestyle. There was no conversion. There was no deliverance. There was no redemption. There was nothing changing in my life. <clears throat> Someone said, if you'll ask the Lord to come into your heart, he'll come into your heart and you'll be saved forever. I said, okay, Lord, come into my heart. Okay, you're saved and you're going to be saved forever. Okay, as a young man living like I was living, I thought that was a pretty cool deal. I could live like I was living, partying every day and make heaven too. <clears throat> yeah. I was, in a, I was in a bad way and didn't even know it. At, at least for a while. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God, Brother Eric. Somebody came along, invited me to an apostolic church where a man of God mm -hmm. preached the Bible plan of salvation. I'm, and I was like, that's it. That's mm -hmm. it right there. Because somebody opened the Bible and said, you see that, what it says right there? Ye yes, it says repent. Yes, and it says to be baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, it says I can get the Holy Ghost and I'll speak in tongues. Yeah, it's right there. And... Uh, then came the deliverance mm -hmm. from drugs and alcohol and immorality and, and, and self and sin. Then came my redemption. Then came forgiveness. Then came the conversion in my life when I obeyed the Bible plan of salvation. When I did the other things, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Now, in all honesty, some people will do those things and their life does change yeah. because the, the, the power of the cross is very powerful and some people go with that one experience. 
But if you diligently seek him, I'm, I promise you, you'll find so much more in God. Yeah, I'm going to try to be vague with this just in case I would ever have somebody who would listen to this. But I have a, a, some acquaintance of ours that um, was involved in this online uh, conversation, I guess not too long ago, it was told to me by another relative of ours. They joined something online, it's called um, something along the vicinity of church abuse or church um, something wrong with, they've been done wrong, they've been hurt by a preacher who pre told them they were going to hell for being whatever it may be, whether, you know, in sin problem or whether it be, you know, they haven't obeyed the scripture or, or whatever it may be. Somebody, a man of God somewhere in their life put their foot down and told them, hey, this is how it is, and they didn't like it, and therefore now they're in this, you know, they're hurt, they've been done wrong. And, and well, anyway, but what my, my point on that is, that these comments that were being made was being read to me that these comments were being made was, well, you know, it don't matter. It's your relationships with, between you and God and, and your what's in your heart versus, you know, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what, the, you know, it's, it's just how you feel about it. And, and uh, then, you know, so other people talked about, well, you don't need to listen to what a preacher says. You don't need, so anyway, my mind, this is, this has been fresh in my mind this week is kind of what led me to talking about that. But um, there was a, subject that was brought up and, and my question to my wife that was feeding me the information that she was hearing from someone else as I said did they ever because all that what it was is now they say like, well now that I got out of that situation I'm closer to God than I've ever been and that that is such a scary situation yes, to put yourself in to say that that you know now you, you've isolated yourself from a man of God you've isolated yourself from the word of God, because you're not living the word of what the word of God says to live, and the way the word of God says. To live. So you've isolated yourself from those things, but then now, now you feel good about that. And um, so, I, but I told my wife, I said, it makes me wonder: Did they ever even have the Holy Ghost? Did they ever even, you what know, yeah? Did they? Have, what experience did they even have? You know, because the experience that I have with the Holy Ghost, it does change your life, mm -hmm. and it opens your understanding to realizing that the truth this is real mm -hmm. that what the man of God is preaching is right right and that I need to line up and I need because somebody that doesn't view it that way or somebody doesn't feel that way I begin to what kind of experience do you have right yeah. and you know why do you still feel good about these things like what you know and the people say well I don't want to go to church there because I feel uncomfortable well that sometimes it's a good thing because <clears throat> conviction is uncomfortable and you know that's that's a point to bring up too. Is a lot of people think, well, I want to go to church where I, where I feel comfortable. I want to go to a church where I don't feel well, bad about myself. That's a good point yeah. right there. I mean, actually, you look at in the Bible. Anytime somebody came into the presence of God, that one of the first things they would say, they would fall on their face, scared to death. Woe is me. Yes. Uh, Moses hides his face. He's afraid to look upon God. Uh, other men say, oh, we've seen God, and they were afraid they were going to die, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So the reason for that is because God is holy, like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And when you come into his presence, if you're not right, it's going to reveal your flaws. One of the uh, favorite scriptures, I guess, to point out about that is Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah comes to the presence of God, yes. he sees God, and then he says, woe is me. Mm -hmm. And until he's touched with a coal by the angel, he can't even approach God in his mm -hmm. current condition. Right. So... Um, you know, somebody says, well, I get closer to God, you know, uh, now that I'm not in church and all of that. That's, it, it's interesting to me how if you're not constantly in a growth process, that tells me you don't have much of a relationship with God. And let me kind of tag into something you said there, too. I was thinking about 
Um, you know, because there's people out there that say, well, I hear what Brother Eric's saying, but I don't really think that I need a man of God in my life. You know, why can't I just go and obey the plan of salvation? And something that's interesting about that is Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, he says, um, but I cert- this is verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Somebody might bring this up, but keep reading, right? Because that's not the end of it. He says, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by by his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Somebody might point to this and say, see there, he didn't need a man. Again, keep reading. He says, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Why? And abode with him 15 days. And other of the apostles saw none save James, the Lord's brother. Okay, now skip to chapter number two. He says, then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So he's saying, I got the revelation from God, but I still had to go check it out with the apostles to make sure that what I preached was matching up to what they preached. And so let me just say this. It is possible to get a revelation from God. I mean, somebody can get a revelation on their own. Sure. Uh, You can see Jesus' name baptism on your own. You can see the oneness of God on your own. And I've heard of occasions of people, maybe they saw a vision. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all these stories about what's going on in the Middle East about Muslims having visions of Jesus. That happens. I mean, it happens. You can, you can see it in the Word of God. And, but here's the thing. Um, you have to come under submission to a man of God and to a church. Um, you know, I, I heard a guy, you guys probably heard me mention this here recently, but a guy tried to pin me down and he says, I don't think we should have church in this day and time because, uh, you know, it's all corrupt and everything. And he said, we don't need a church because if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we don't need to have any man to tell us anything. You know, they quote that one verse. I think it's in First John and they take it out of context. But I, I, my response to him was I said, well, the last book of the Bible is Revelation, right? I said, it's letters to the seven churches. I said, so if the last book of the Bible had churches in them, when did the church stop? When are we supposed to stop going to church? Furthermore, the letters are written to what? The angelos, which would be the messengers. I know it says angels, but it's, it means messengers. Because why would Jesus... Uh, tell them to send these letters to angels. How are they supposed to find these angels? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's saying send them to the messengers of the seven churches and you tell them this is what's wrong. And so God speaks to the pastor and gives him direction about the church. So when we're talking about uh, you know, a pastor in your life. We're not just talking about some Johnny come lately that's mm-hmm. out here doing his own thing. We're talking about a man of God that God's called. Because, you know, going back to what Brother Eric said about Romans, where he says, um, how shall they hear without a preacher? But then it goes on to say, how shall he preach except he be sent, meaning called of God, chosen of God to preach? Because, I mean, you know, it's it's not just that somebody can stand up and say, I'm a preacher. God has to call him, Right. Well, the thing is, is God's going to put a man of God in your life. If, if God gives you a revelation, he gives it to you for a reason, a purpose. 
right? And he's going to lead you to a man of God that's going to preach yes. that revelation to you. Right. He's going to reaffirm it, but he's also going to bring to light some other things. Let me just, and I, I can see Brother Ross has got some things up his, his sleeve here. Um, there's a scripture I thought of that a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't need a man. You might think again. You need a man of God. 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church because they were battling the same thing. They're saying, we don't need Paul. You know, we've, we've got all these different instructors. We don't need Paul. One saying, I'm of Paul. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. And there, there's all this bickering. Plus, they got the gifts of the Spirit in operation. One of them stepping out here, and they're doing their thing, and the gifts of the Spirit. And others, I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm stepping out here doing this. And Paul has to bring it all under alignment. But the reason for the gifts of the Spirit being out of control is because they had forgotten who had begotten them. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, he says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now consider the fact, I don't know how many people are in this Corinthian church, but it's very possible that, uh, you know, you had people that were in different stages when Paul met them, right? You have some people that maybe had some revelation of God, right? You have some people that maybe, you know, God drew them. No man could come into to him except he draw him right so you you probably have some in various stages you may have some that are, are Jewish people that's repented and, and prayed through but they had a revelation of one God already mm -hmm. then you might have Gentiles that were total heathens when he met up with them but here's the thing Paul still says I begot you don't ever forget that but but you don't understand I was in a certain element of the truth no 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 I begot you don't ever forget that somebody may have come along behind me and helped perfect you but I was the one that begot you. Did, did you have something to add to that? <clears throat> Only um, those who um, maybe even obeyed the the Acts two thirty eight plan of salvation and get you know somewhat of a walk with God, and then they get to the point where their thinking gets messed up for whatever reason, and they say, "Wow, I don't really need somebody telling me what to do. I don't really need that kind of authority in my life. I I know what I know. There's one God. I know it's Acts two thirty eight. And uh, I, I think about <clears throat> individuals like that, would, would, they wouldn't have accepted Moses as their leader either, would they? <clears throat> they wouldn't have accepted David or, or, or Nathan. Right. Tell them, they, would, you know, they wouldn't accept Peter, they would, Paul. You know, if they won't sit under a man of God that God is calling to, to pastor and, and preach in this day and hour, they wouldn't have sat under, <laughs> under the yeah. well, And you bring up a good point there, too, at the importance of a man of God is because you were talking about, like, all of us sitting here today all have a little bit of knowledge in the Scripture. That's why we're here. It's why we're able to do, you know, these kind of talking and stuff like that. But if we didn't have anybody to pull our reins and say, mm -hmm. hey, you need to, you know, mm -hmm. sure. that, we could get some all, all get some kind of crazy idea in our head because hey we're smart we and, we know a little bit about the Bible we know mm -hmm. we're smarter than the next guy but, and but, but we got a man know. of God no 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 you're fine but we got a man of God that keeps us keeps that you know in, in context and that's what we we mm -hmm. want that oh yeah, absolutely I mean, if, right if, yeah. if you're talking about we're smart yes. we're we're only really smart as long as no, we that, want that uh, that spiritual authority that, in our right. exactly right everything yeah. we're teaching on here is yeah. stuff that we've been taught that exactly yeah. right. And let me bring this up too, real quick, and be vague. Also, working with some folks here, you know, been doing Bible studies a lot over the last course of three or four years, um, dealing with some people who have got the step where they've come to church and um, maybe get baptized, whatever. They get to that point to where it's, um, well, I feel pretty good about what I've done, mm -hmm. yeah. and I'm pretty satisfied right here. But uh, 
and even to the point where they, well, we like you. You're you're awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that teaching. It's the it's the stuff the preacher preaches. We just don't like that. <laughs> and uh, I remember a conversation I had with somebody uh, sometime, and I said, uh, the what reminded me is when he talked about they talked about well we love your teaching, and I said well the man of God in my life, the true man of God that I've witnessed for 33 years, the man of God in my life, is the only reason I'm able to teach you anything today. Right. Because he's put it in me. Right. And so, um, you know, thank God for, for a man of God because, like I said, if not at five and six years old when I first started hearing him preach, you know, this, this church was going in a different direction mm-hmm. until he came and whatever. So who knows what would have happened and, and where I'd even be had a man of God not come and, and set some... You know boundaries and put put a set a course in my life to be. Hey, this is the direction to go. You know you don't want to go in the direction of because I mean I got a lot of other I got family members who were here when he got here that decided to go a different direction and their lives a, a total chaos. I'm not sure of the scriptures in Galatians when Paul said you did run well, you, you were doing mm-hmm. well in the sense that they they had obeyed the plan mm-hmm. of salvation. Yes, they had started walk with God and Paul observed that and he said you did run well but obviously you're not running well now and he said who bewitched you mm-hmm. who bewitched you and that's a powerful statement that someone that would go so far with God and stop and it, it, you know and if you stop you're going backwards I mean <laughs> and yeah. let me bring this up too and then I'm gonna let brother Mills take over from there or whatever but uh thinking about the story of the in the Bible the, the Bible says the unclean spirits go and he finds seven other spirits and they come and enter into the man but it says they, they come and they find it empty swept and garnished mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's clean it's swept and garnished the, the life's been straightened up and been cleaned but it's empty and because it was empty the devil able to come back around how did it get empty they didn't they wasn't listening to the preacher they wasn't reading the word of God they wasn't applying truth to their life so therefore, you know, he wasn't praying, having a relationship with God. So therefore, you get empty. And we're talking, and this all leads to because we're talking about the salvation of the soul. And the devil coming back with seven other spirits kind of defies the fact that, you know, you can't lose the Holy Ghost. You have this Holy Ghost, and therefore, once you receive it, yeah, you're good for, you know, you're good forever. But it goes to show you that the devil will come back and try to claim what used to be his mm-hmm. and, uh, and try to corrupt what used to be cleaned. And so... You know, there, there's the importance of a daily walk with God, living for God, and uh, building up your salvation. Uh, just kind of a few things here. We've mentioned a, a multitude of things, just in case we have somebody listening that doesn't uh, know all of this, because we kind of take some of this knowledge for granted, True. brethren. Right. Um, but uh, I know we have people that listen to this that's in varying degrees of their walk with God, whatever that may be. And so... Uh, first of all, let me just say this, that you don't want to be a lone ranger out there doing your own thing. It's going to lead you the wrong way. Uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, For the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you don't know what's in your own heart. Your hearts are going to always lead you astray. It's like I've used the illustration before um, that when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, You're going to deny me. He said, No, that's never going to happen because he didn't know his own heart. But when he was put in certain predicaments or situations, he betrayed the Lord that he said he'd die for. And then I, I've always kind of thought about if, if Nathan had come to David before the catastrophe and said, tomorrow you're going to commit adultery, 
I think David's answer would have been much the same as Peter's. No, that'll never happen. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen yep. to me. But see, you're put in the heat of the moment, and all of a sudden you're like, what, what caused me to do that? What caused me to fall? That's why you need you need a man of God, and you need a church system. You need not only you need a man of God, first of all, but you also need people around you to encourage you, to strengthen you, to help you. Um, the Bible talks about lift up the hands that hang down, strengthen the feeble knees. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about in the context of that. But he's talking about, he didn't say lift up your own hands, strengthen your own knees. You need somebody else to help strengthen you and encourage you. And uh, let me just kind of read this here real quick. Uh in the book of Acts chapter 2, I think something that's often overlooked, we're going to get into in future discussions about Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We talk about repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. But uh, Acts 2 doesn't end there. It says there were added unto them that day about 3,000 souls. And then you keep going on. Um, it's, it says several things. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Watch this. And fellowship. Mm-hmm. See, because, man, I keep hearing this over and over. Like when we're trying to evangelize, get out there and reach people. I mean, I did, did it just the other day out trying to invite somebody. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't need a church. You know, I've got God inside of me. And he said, you know, a church is just basically when two people come together. He said, because, you know, that are believers. He said, I can go out here and get another believer and bring them in and all of this. But notice how the church started. It didn't just start with repentance, baptism, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, and they stopped. Hey, we're good. Let's go back home and do our own thing from this right. point forward. Exactly. We're saved. But it says they continue steadfastly, steadfastly. in the apostles' doctrine. And breaking of bread, but it also says in fellowship, mm-hmm. in fellowship. So that meant that they can they communed with one another. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they they spent time with one another. That's what we're doing here today, brethren. I mean, we're building up each other's faith. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it. Yes, you can you can build up your own faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you something that really encourages me when I hear one of you guys tell me a story about man, I prayed for this and God answered yes. my prayer. Yes. That's encouraging, especially when I'm going through a discouraging time. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all, I'm sure y'all can't count the number of times that you came into the house of God discouraged and just hearing the man of God preach and, and feeling the fellowship of the saints of God, feeling their worship. Man, it's, it's something like, uh, I remember somebody preached something one time. They were talking about momentum, how it, it, it builds, and you know, talking about how the church built the momentum. But you think about how that you can be low and you come into a church where the worship is high and it lifts up your spirit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it lifts you up. And then when you walk out, you're like, man, what was I so upset about? What? Yeah. I don't I don't understand. And and that's why you need you need a, a, a man of God and you need a church of God to go to. Because, man, we're seeing so many Lone Rangers out there. And I hate to tell you, but Lone Rangers aren't going to be saved. Yeah, that's true. They will not be saved. The, the Bible says... Uh, that a man of God's going to give an account for you. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. You're going to have somebody that's going to give an account for you. There's going to be a lot of people on the day of judgment that won't have anybody to give an account for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then let me kind of just tack this in here, and I'll, I'll open it up just for ending discussions, whatever. But um, I was thinking about something Brother Roth said. You talked about salvation is not just a past tense. I, I was saved on such a... You hear that so much today. I was saved on such and such Absolutely. day. I remember there was one Bible study we teach, and it was a group of probably about eh, somewhere around 15 to 20. Every time saying God raised his hand, want to make a comment. And finally, we got to the place we had to just shut it down every time. We just stopped. We just ignored him. 
Because the same thing would be, I remember the day I walked the aisle and I was saved. And I mean, it's the same story. But I, I find it so funny. People talk about salvation as a past tense thing, but you can actually find evidence in the Word of God. Let me read one to you that came out of the mouth of Peter. Okay, He said in Acts chapter 15, now he's, a, he's addressing the apostles. And the discussion is going on about uh, the Gentiles and all of that and what they're going to do with this Gentile church that's coming up. Do they need to obey the entirety of the law? Do they need to be circumcised? And it says this, verse 7, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And then he says several things there, skipping down to verse 11. He says, But we believed. Now he's saying we. He's talking the apostles. Okay, speaking for himself. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, future tense, even as they. Mm -hmm. So he didn't say that we were, we believe that through the grace of God, we were saved, past tense. He says, we shall be saved, future tense. Right. And you can read, There's that's not the only scripture. There's a lot right. more scriptures that talk about it. But if, we just mentioned earlier, if you continue in what you've been taught. So it's not just about, you know, hey, I obeyed the plan of salvation, I'm saved you know, it's a continual process. And that's part of why you need a man of God and why you need the church, too, because it's a continual perfecting. Um, I'm sure one of your brethren maybe had thought about this, whatever, but Brother Ross, I don't know if you were thinking about Ephesians uh, chapter 4, but I, I was just thinking maybe we ought to read that and then I'll let you guys close this out. But uh, he's talking about, and he gave some apostles, this is verse 11 of Ephesians 4, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And verse 12 tells us why. For the perfecting of the saints. Now, notice what he says there. For the perfecting of the saints. Not for the sinners. For the saints. Right. These are people that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. He says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, or that word edifying means building up of the body of Christ. You might say, well, how long do you need it? Verse 13. Till... We all come in the unity of the faith, right? And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Is anybody perfect? We still need a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then he says this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Now, I don't want to open this up to a can of worms because I know we're trying to bring this to a close. I, I preached a message somewhere here this last year, and if they listen to this, they'll know I'm talking about you know that, but I dealt with something called wayward spirits because, man, we are dealing with this in our day and time. You have these people that come from, you know, this religious background. They'll just want to walk into a church, never seen them before, and they look kind of scraggly or whatever, and they walk into the church and they just want to give out tongues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or they just want to prophesy to some saints, you know, walk up and say, I felt the Lord tell me to do this and thus and so. I remember we were at the, the prison one time and there was this guy that is often some weird doctrines, and he starts prophesying to one of the prisoners. Well, I happen to know that this prisoner was a child molester, unrepentant, yeah. and uh, didn't even feel bad for what he did. I mean, I'm not talking about one occasion. I'm talking about many. And this guy's prophesying, you're going to be blessed, saith the Lord. You're going to be this, 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 and this. We got all these rogue spirits, these wayward spirits, and it says, he says, you need a man of God that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about, with every wind of doctrine, mm -hmm. by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. If you don't have a pastor in your life, you don't have a church in your life, you're just going to be like the proverbial, uh, what is it said? The Bible talks about locusts that are carried on the wind. You're just going to be carried on every wind that comes through. You're going to keep picking up on all these different doctrines. 
But anyways, that's, um, I'm done, guys. You guys got anything to add here? Brother Ross? <clears throat> we talked earlier about uh, the truth, the Word of God, one gospel, not multiple, one, one way, one, one, one. We talk about one church. There's one church. Uh, another way that's described in the Bible, what the church is, is the body. Bodies made up of many members. Uh, if you would cut your hand off, your hand's not going to survive by itself. It's it's done. Yes, that's a good point. Someone that wants to cut themselves off from the body, which is the church, will not survive. It all all the body has to be come together as one. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, "Knowledge is puffed up." And someone gets a little <clears throat> bit of knowledge of the Word of God. Uh, they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. And then they want to cut themselves off from the body and show up in some assembly somewhere. And like you said, talk in tongues or I've got a word from the Lord for this place. Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge is puffed up. And uh, they've taken it on themselves to do, put themselves in positions they have no business being in. Exactly but there's one church. It's the one body. <laughs> and uh, none of the parts of the body can survive separated from the rest That's of the good. body. That's right. Good point, Brother Eric. Uh, yeah, just thinking about um, what he said there, <clears throat> the Matthew chapter 7, talking about um, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few mm -hmm. there be that find it. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to go to that church. They got they got 1,000 people. They got 700 people. They got 600 people. Must be a good church because there's a lot of people going there. Doesn't necessarily mean it's truth because the Bible says few there be that find and I'm not saying that there couldn't be a big church that has the truth but I'm just saying that you got to be careful just to follow the crowd because following the crowd might, might get you you know into a, in a situation where you know just because there's a crowd of people there don't mean that what's being preached is true um, also talked to uh, somebody one time and, and bringing this up about uh, oh we, we love you we we, talk, we we think you're awesome you know this that but, but it's the problem here the problem's there whatever and um, I, I referred to them back about the Bible saying, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because it boils down to, it comes back to, I had a conversation with a man who talked about, hey, I go to this church, it's got, it's a mega church in our local area, here we go. I go there because all the arrows point to the people. We're going out to the community, to the homeless, and we're helping them, and we're reaching out, we're pointing out there. And most churches, all the arrows point into the people and just the saints. I told him, I said, both churches have got it wrong. The arrows are supposed to be pointing to Jesus because it's all about him anyway. Mm -hmm. The Bible says if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. And so um, thinking about, you know, about the what you're talking about, one, 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 and there being one church, one, most, one yeah, one body, most of the time, um, you know, there's a, a segment of people who's like, uh, don't go to that church or stay away from them people. But to put the challenge out there today to the Bible talks about you you were saying about um, spirits be out there try the spirits and see if they be of God or not and uh, see if they you know if it is aligned with the word of God or not right. um, you know just don't go to a place that says well you know man they showed a good movie so we had 700 people showed up and everything was good and you know the Bible wasn't read or anything like that. well go to the Bible and, 
and see if you know, what they're yeah. teaching in the context. Is, is that in the Word of God? Yeah. What, is it, the scriptures? Yeah, what, yeah, what does the Bible say about that? And so, you know, putting that into context, all of this, going back to we're talking about salvation. salvation. Be, save yourself. Mm-hmm. By Apostle Peter said in uh, Acts chapter 2, we talk about, you know, he, he's talking about, gives out the plan of salvation. But then at the, at the end of the day, Apostle Peter couldn't save him. Uh, the, the, the disciples that were around there couldn't save him. Right. You have to save yourself. You have to do it by applying the Word of God. Apply what Peter preached to right. your life and save yourself from this untoward generation by, follow, by getting on the straight and narrow path. I pray a prayer a lot of times when I'm praying that I thank God that there's a whole lot of people, all the you know billion people in the world, seven billion people, whatever it is in the world, that, that are going their own way, believing their own thing. Thank God America, you know, it's still a quote-unquote Christian nation. Most people believe in something here. But, you know, they got uh, agnostic and atheistic countries and all this kind of stuff. But out of all them, they, I'm on the straight and narrow. I know the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a sombering feeling to think that few there be that find it, yeah. and I'm one of the few. That's and, awesome. and and it's an awesome, an awesome feeling to know that. And to, uh, you know, Bible says make your calling an election. Sure. So, like, you know, put away the doubt and to think, well, you know, grandma said I was saved or, or you know, so-and-so right. relative said I was saved. Well, what does the Bible say about your condition? Yeah. And that's the only thing I'm going to add. I'm going to close it. Yeah, well, the attitude that will lead to salvation is about what the Bible says about those people in Berea in Acts 17. It said they were more noble. This is verse 11. Than those in Thessalonica, and that they receive the word with all readiness of mind. That's the first key. You got to be hungry. Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Secondly, and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Um, you, you wonder, well, you say we need a man of God. Well, you know how he's a man of God? Does what he preached lines up with the word yes, of God? That's it. I, I think the danger we're seeing in our day is we're just living in a biblically illiterate society. Oh yeah, they kick God out, out of the out, they kick God out, they kick the word of God out of the schools and then after they kicked it out of schools they kicked it out of their homes, mm-hmm. they kicked it out of, out of society and uh, we see... And they're kicking it out of church. They're, they're kicking it Brother, out. that is so true because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I forget what the survey, I don't have it in front of me but I think this, the number was under 50% of churches that even believe in the inerrancy of the word of God anymore. And so what that basically means is they, they look at certain scriptures and I'm not going to get into all this, but like Mark 16 or, you know, or, or the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery that doesn't belong there because it's not in such and such manuscripts and blah, blah, blah. And so everybody's become their own scholar, you know? And so we can just throw this out and throw this out there. You told a story one time on the, on the podcast talking about how that, um, uh, the man that his pastor was, uh, you know, the guy was dying and his pastor was nearby and he yes, picked up his Bible yes. and a bunch of pages were missing. Mm-hmm. And he said, why are all these pages missing? He said, because every time you told me something didn't belong for us today, I just tore it out of the book. Mm-hmm. He said, that's all that's left of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I, I think that is what we're living in today, man. I, I'm getting so tired of, uh, of preachers that belittle the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like I said earlier, I mean, if this book isn't truth, that what is our basis? Brother, I just read, doing some just study and research, an article I came across written by a man. This was the name of the article. Satan's favorite verse. You know what he said Satan's favorite verse was? Acts 2.38. Wow. That was his article. And uh, 
We're not going to a lot more well, detail. The, on that. the bad thing about that is because what you're saying there is leading to you can use truth and twist it, mm, yeah, and make it something and 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 totally damn your soul because you. Well, I have the truth. I, I you know, I believe Acts two thirty eight. Well, it was, you, you twist it was written it by a man that just basically wanted to say, all you got to do is believe, mm-hmm. and those that tell you that you got to mm-hmm. uh, follow the God's plan of salvation, Acts two thirty eight, are are. Are wrong. You need to get rid of that thinking, mm. and uh, it was abs- absolutely surprising and amazing and scary yeah. uh, article. But if you want to, if you want to know what, a, if you if you want to know what a godless society looks like, look around. People are totally biblical Ill- illiterate, and so really, we almost have to do like the apostle Paul did in Acts chapter seventeen when he when he was preaching to the Greeks, he looked around and yeah. they, they didn't have a, you know, they had a... Areopagus. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, had, they had a God of this and a God of that and a God of this. And, and he's, he had to start, he had to start from, he said, that he, he began to preach to them about the God that created everything because they have a, a God of, a statue to the God of this and a statue to the God of that. But he had, a, he had to start with the basics that there is a God there's one true living God, and He created everything. And He went back to the basics, like we started in our mm-hmm. in our discussion yes. today. We went back to Adam and Eve, that God created all that, and there, and there came sin. That's the way the Apostle Paul had to start with the Greek, because that was a godless society. True, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a mess trying to speak to people in our world today. It's it's almost like uh, it used to be that the starting point could be well, you believe the word of God, obviously, you know, right, and, yeah. and you could start on that. You can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even if they claim to be Christian, man, I remember I sat down trying to teach a Bible study to somebody one time, and uh, they claimed to be a Christian, and I started talking to them and found out they didn't even know about the creation account. Well, here, here's the yeah. Here, well, that's what you have. You yeah, what's that? Be, I said, you do you know? Do you that. know that God created the earth and, uh, in, in six days? You, you heard that story? No. Have you heard the story of Adam and Eve? No. Have you heard this story of Noah and Ark? No. But I'm a Christian. But I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Go ahead. I, I I've taught at the nursing home, and I can use the name here because this lady's deceased, but she's a dear dear lady that I loved a lot. Um, name was Becky, and uh, she. We went in, began to teach the truth and teach things to her, and uh, she seen it and she started understanding. And she's like, "Wow, I never knew that. I never knew that." So they had asked me to come in and do like, like on Saturdays, we they wanted to do more like a Sunday school lesson. Like you want to learn Bible, like Bible stories. They want to know the simple stuff. They, you know, we did on Sundays. We did more like a churchy style and and gave them a little lesson every day like that. So we went in and I just started teaching. And, you know, I took for granted they knew those kind of things. Creation, you know, I, you know, Adam and Eve, you've heard about, you know, Noah and the ark. You've heard about David and Goliath. And, and we, and no, no. I, and I, I, you're a Christian. They've been a Christian for 30 years. And I said, Becky, here's the problem. I said, you've been going to church for 30 years and the religious world has let you down. Mm-hmm. Because they owe it to you to teach you what's in the exactly. Bible. You're right. going to church and they owe it to you. Um, I remember, and I, I mentioned this, and I'm, I'm not trying to take up too much time. You're good, um, brother. I, I remember I talked, I told them this the other day at the college Bible study, um, and I'm not knocking what we do nowadays or what we have, you know. And, but I said I thank God for a, a lady named Sister Stroud, who taught me in Sunday school, and I was young, six, seven years old, and I come to Sunday school and 
we'd go out here in the big room, we'd play duck, duck, goose, and <laughs> we'd play this game, that game, four square, whatever it was, you know, we'd play the little games in Sunday school. We'd go in and have a five minute lesson and eat snack and everything was good. And I didn't really learn a whole lot. And not, like I said, I'm not, not, I'm not down in the t- Sunday school teachers. No, I'm not, that's not my point. My point was, but when I walked in Sister Stroud's class, they, matter of fact, the nickname was Sergeant Stroud. Yeah, yeah. Because when you went in this class, you were going to learn. You're going to sit there and listen. Yeah. You ain't going to talk. Right. If we played a game, it was a Bible yeah. trivia game. It wasn't, you know, we wasn't going <laughs> to, but I mean, you know, it was, you're going to learn the, the Word of God. You're here to learn. It's just like, and, and I correlated it to like when I went to school and I'm in class, there wasn't no playing, no, no goofing around, no talking. You're going to learn your, because that's what you're there for. You're, it's important. And the importance was put there that, hey, we'll learn the Bible, learn the Word of God. And I honestly give a lot of credit to the fact that, like, the things that I learned in, as a kid and that I had a desire to, to not to have knowledge of the Bible and the Word of God was because that a lady told me, hey, it's important. You got, you know, it's important to learn this. It's important Certainly. to, and, and so important that if, you know, I leaned over and whispered, I went to the principal. I mean, it was, I mean, to the superintendent's office. I mean, it was no playing in her class. But, and, and why a lot of kids hated that, it gave me a love for the word of God. And I thought, hey, it's important to learn. I want to learn. I, and in, in her class alone, I learned the books of the Bible. I learned the 23rd Psalm. I learned about the 12, the 12 disciples. I learned the 10 commandments. I was able to learn all of those things just in her class because, hey, it was for real. And but I, I said that to get to the point that the um, what's missing in people today is they don't take it serious. It's it's not important. You don't need to know that. Um, the young man that I know of that was going to a Baptist church and left and went to this church and man, all the meantime I like I told him, I was kidding him I was man I can't keep up with you always at church. He said well I left the Baptist church because they wouldn't let me preach. This <laughs> church lets me preach and I'm like okay so you went from one doctrine. <laughs> to a totally different doctrine so you could preach. Did you never believe the Baptist yeah. doctrine? Yeah. Oh, he said, well, I don't get in all the doctrine and all that kind of stuff. I just preach about Jesus. So we get into this discussion. We start talking about, you know, I'm giving him a Bible study, a little bit about the truth and begin to teach. And he's going, I don't know about that. Never heard that. No, you know, well, where's, where's that at? And I thought, you're pretty, he said, yeah, I just get up and tell them about the good news about, you know, Jesus and he died on the cross. I said, talk about Jesus. I said, so every sermon you preach is the same thing about, I mean, you don't have nothing else. It's all you preach one. And, but, and I told my wife, I said, how does he preach? He doesn't know the Bible. <laughs> but that's, that's the world we're living in today. Yeah. And, so, you know, everybody's saved, but no one even knows how to be saved. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could say this, and I'm not. We're not trying to make this all night. You, you hit a, you hit a sore spot right there, because um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I just found out about a quote unquote Christian singer that I used to listen to. Uh, and she came out as atheist now. Yeah. Well, not not atheist. She came out as agnostic. Okay. You know, she yeah. thinks there might be something out there, but she's she's even experimenting with hallucinogenic drugs oh, and all kinds of other stuff in. Anyways, but she had gone from evangelical to Catholicism to, you know, to now what she's doing now. And, um, but you know, something I, I think is fascinating is you hear a lot of uh, this Christian music, quote unquote Christian music, it has no biblical depth to it whatsoever. And, and it's all about uh, how that his grace covers all and you can do anything you want because, you know, it's grace. It's not about what who we are. It's not about what we do. It's about who he is. And, and, yeah, and, and it's all about this. And it's basically, 
what I'm finding is people listen to this stuff and they just suck it in hook, line, and sinker, and they don't ever take it up with the Word of God. And uh, I, I heard an interview with this Christian singer, and he was talking about how that, yeah, man, my dad was such a great man of God. He was a pastor. He's like, yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about your dad. He said, yeah, man, he was the kind of guy he'd sit down and have a beer with you and tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he'd just, uh, he, he'd cuss, and he'd get up and dance on tables, but he'd tell you about Jesus. And, he, man, he was just a real Christian. And <laughs> I just think, well, you know, I can't read about the apostles uh, getting up and dancing on tables and no. sharing beers with people and, and uh, telling them about Jesus. You know, but whatever happened to come out from among them and be yeah, yeah, separate, yeah. say the Lord, touch not them. Thing, right. I mean, wh- whatever happened to be holy for I am holy. Right. But uh, the thing is, is, is uh, you know, we just, why are we embracing all this? Because we're just biblically illiterate. Nobody pays attention to the Word of God anymore. And, and it's like they'll go to a church. Let, let me just challenge somebody that's listening to this. Do you know if what your pastor's preaching is right? Are you even reading what he's preaching? Because right. so many people nowadays, they won't even take their Bible to church anymore. And, I mean, you may have it on your cell phone or whatever. But what I find out is a lot of people that have the Bible on their cell phone, they don't read it as much. You know why? Because it's hard to read when you're getting 15 text messages in between Absolutely. everything. You want to go check your you whatever first, it is, you right? know, in, in the midst of reading the Bible. Right. So you get all these distractions. That's why I still like reading the good old oh, hardback, yes. not hardback, but I mean yeah. leather-bound yeah. Bible. Right. Because uh, there's just something about Absolutely. holding the Word of God. And you, you look at how the Muslims have such a respect for the Quran. They literally, they'll take it and they'll put it up on a high shelf so it's always higher than them. Mm-hmm. Before they handle it, they wash their hands. Mm-hmm. And they take it down because they, they say it's so holy. It's a holy book. And whatever happened to our, our love and our respect for the Word of God, we've lost it in America. We've lost it 100%. And uh, so kind of just bring this back to the focus of the discussion. I know we kind of went off on a rabbit trail there, but um, we talked about salvation and where you find it at is in the Word of God. And you need a man of God that preaches the Word of God to you. And so if we're going to tie this all together, but let me just kind of say in future lessons, we're going to actually talk about the plan of salvation itself. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about how we know it's the plan of salvation and uh, where we, how we know where to find it in the Bible and all of that. So we'll get into that in future discussions. But um, anyways, if you guys don't have anything else, I guess we'll, we'll close this out with a word of prayer. You guys don't Jesus, mind praying. Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to anoint this podcast recording, God. We do ask that you would allow somebody that needs to hear this to find it. God, we have prayed for your direction about this. We take it very seriously, God, and we ask for your anointing upon any future sessions that we do, God. Lord, I'm asking Jesus that you would speak to somebody's heart to find a church, to find a man of God that will preach the truth to them. Lord, and stir up a hunger for the Word of God once again in our hearts in these last days. Help us to have a revival, not only in America, but all around the world. We love you. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.